Christ is over every king and every leader and every time and every place. Christ is over all. And he ultimately will be coming back. And when he returns, he will establish as king of kings forever. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. I'm fired up to be getting after it together. Man, we worship Jesus Christ. That is why we're here. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said... Amen, man. So we're rallied together here in person. We've got you joining on online. Man, it is all about Jesus Christ. We are launching a new sermon series. As we start today, we're jumping into the book of Revelation. And we're going after it. We're going after it big. Our job is to worship. Our goal as we go after this is to worship Jesus Christ in all that he is, in all that is coming, in all that he promises. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen, man. That's what we're going after. So as we dive into the book of Revelation, everybody should have gotten a book. And uh, so do me a favor. If you do not have a book, go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you, all right? So just raise your hand, let them know, and they will get a book to you. Should have gotten one on the way in, but if you didn't, we've got one for you, all right? So just go ahead and raise your hand, get a, to- get a hold of them. And uh, for the rest of you, go ahead and take your book. Let's turn it open. Just flip to that first page there that says, Dear Summit Attenders as it's uh, kind of the letter that we're going to start with. It gives a little bit of an understanding. It gives the lay of the land and what's the plan, all right? So we're going to walk through a few things here. Just let's get the plan for all that's going on, and then uh, we'll be ready to dive into the sermon here today, all right? So let's start with the letter. We are beyond excited to be diving into the book of Revelation. This is going to be quite a journey as we take this ministry year to dig deep, to learn, and to fan the flame on worship. Everybody say worship. Man, that's what we're here for. That's what this is all about. We're diving into the book of Revelation that it might be all about worship. So that said, a few thoughts as we begin this journey. First, let's worship. Like if it's all about worship, then let's make sure we're practicing that as we go along, right? So first, let's worship. God has covered the pages of Revelation with his glory. The purpose of this book, ready, is for worship, not for worry. For worship, not for worry. I cannot say this strong enough. The point of going through Revelation is not to get into some kind of worrying plan. It is for worship, not for worry. Everybody say that loud. Say it with me. For worship, not for worry. Say it louder. Say it bigger. For worship, not for worry. Don't miss that. That's why we're diving into the book of Revelation. May it stir our understanding of Jesus Christ, the greatness of Jesus Christ. May we be passionate about all that he is, all right? So for worship, not for worry. Second, let's have fun. Let's dig in and have fun. God has revealed some of the roadmap for what's to come. What does it say? What is that? Let's make sure that we're learning a little bit. We're enjoying along the way. God, what do you have to show us about what's coming? What did you share? All right. And then third, let's rally together as a church. Uh, This world is really, it's constantly pushing more and more towards dissatisfaction. But the hope and the promise of this book is found in knowing the King of Kings in knowing Jesus Christ. That's got to be our passion. Let's rally together as a church for it. Man, if you're saved, if we are his children, 
and we're headed for this amazing home with him, then let's be celebrating with all we've got. Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? Are you trusting him as Lord? Man, if so, then know this. We have a heavenly home coming. We have a God who's got a plan. We have a king who is worth worshiping. So let's dive in. Let's worship him with all we've got. Let's go after it. Don't leave anything on the table. May God get all the glory. Okay? That said, um, we're going to be doing this in a three-part series. So we're obviously doing a sermon series here right now. We're going to start. We're going to get through Revelation chapters 1 through 3. We're calling this wake-up call. It's a call to the church to figure out who Christ is and to get after it. It's a call to be able to go after things. There's this great presentation of Jesus in chapter one, and then there's seven churches being challenged in chapters two and three. Things they have right, things they need to adjust. And so this is a wake-up call for the church. That's the first part here in the fall. And then we're gonna jump into another series in January after a Christmas series. We're gonna go in January, February, March, going after the next one. It's called The Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. The thunderous sevens and the copycat. Just so you know, when God moves, God loves to use the number seven, right? And for God, it means perfection. It means completion. It's what God goes after. So wherever God moves, he leaves a fingerprint of the number seven, right? Whether it be the seven spirits talking about the Holy Spirit or the seven churches or the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls, seven, 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 seven. When God moves, he loves to move using the number seven. And so we're going to see it all over the place in chapters four through 19, the thunderous sevens, the massive statement of God has a plan. And then Satan's running around trying to say, I'm going to be like the most high. And so he's pretending, he's trying to be like God, and he's doing nothing but copycat. Everywhere Satan is running around saying, look at me, he brings something big, just so you know, it's a copycat of something God's already doing. And you may not have seen it before, and when we walk through Revelation 4 through 19, you're going to be shocked at how ridiculously copycat he is. And he doesn't even come close to the actual glory of the Heavenly Father. And all of God's people said... So that series called The Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. We'll be walking through chapters 4 through 19. That's where all of that kind of end times detailing is, some of what is to come. And we're going to be walking through it in detail there. And then the last one will be All Things New. And that'll be Revelation 20 to 22. This is our God. When he comes back, when Jesus returns, he will become king over all. He will be creating a new heaven, a new earth. There will be this massive celebration forever. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache to come. Eternal happiness, joy, glory, worship. May God truly get all the praise. That's the end of the book of Revelation. And we're going to be looking at that last. It'll be kind of a late spring, early summer time frame. All right. So we've got several other things going on with a Christmas series and an Easter series and that, but we'll be breaking this out and we'll be walking through, excited to be walking through this. The battle cry is a call to worship. And just so we're super clear, there's also a class that's going to be going on. We're going to run a class. I'm going to be teaching it on, uh, in February, March. It'll be six weeks long. For those who want to dig a little deeper, we'll be going a little deeper into the book of Revelation and beyond. We'll be diving into Daniel and Zechariah and a little bit of Matthew and kind of bringing things around and making sure we understand some of the bigger picture and a little bit of the deeper picture. And we'd love to have you join us. That'll be on Wednesday nights going on uh, in February, March. Okay. 
So that's what's going on. That's a little bit of the plan. Man, this is going to be a phenomenal year. We're fired up for it. So here we go, all right? Um, obviously, the next page is the table of contents. You can use that throughout to be able to know when to get to where to get. Um, but that said, let's turn to the next page after it, the plan. So here's the plan, all right? So uh, you might be saying, what is the plan? Well, we're glad you asked, right? So uh, the next number of months are going to be designed to walk through uh, as this massive divine adventure. Man, our hope is for you to be able to experience God with all you've got, all right? So this book contains the following. Our sermons, our impact group questions, and our reading plans will all dovetail together. They're going to be leading towards one big thing as we're walking through. That's you on fire for Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a total immersion in one direction, God getting all the glory as we go after it. That's our passion. This book contains the sermon outlines for all the sermons. It contains the impact group questions. It contains all the reading plans for Monday through Friday, the reading each day. And just so you know, those reading plans are always connected, right? So like today's sermon's going on. The next tomorrow, Monday through Thursday is going to be reading connected with this. And then Friday will be the look forward to what's coming on that next Sunday. So the reading plan is going to be deeply connected in, all of it going together. If you're looking for a way to kind of have a regular daily time with the Lord, walking through those reading plans, an awesome time, and then being able to be a part of things with the impact group questions and the sermon series stuff, all right? So that said, here's what we're asking you to do. Uh, First, attend the Sunday service each week. Man, make sure you are a part of things. Don't miss out. Don't just catch some of, catch all of it. Make sure we're getting together on that. And honestly, I would say, make sure you can gather here in person if at all possible. Man, if you're joining with us online and you need to be there, there's health issues or there's travel or you're on work or whatever, man, then we're glad to have you online. But if you can join us in person, come join us. You can come, you can pick up a book and let's go after it, right? And uh, if you you need to be online and you need to get a book some other way, then stop by the office. We'll get one for you that way. And uh, I do want to say for those who need to be online or need to be going electronic, we do have this in PDF format as well. All right. So you can go to our website, go to the resources page way on the far right. And you go down, it's like third or fourth down there. And you can go ahead and pick up that PDF version of this instead of the physical copy. Okay. So that's where we're going. Let's rally together. Let's get after it together. We'd also say attending impact group regularly, man, don't miss out on those. Get together with your people that you're a part of. Make sure you're worshiping and celebrating and uh, really rallying together. And there'll be a little detail to work out when we get to February, March, and we got those Wednesday classes and we'll figure that out. But getting after things together with your impact group, right? And then being faithful to the reading plan and faithful to this one statement, Lord God, please stir my heart. That's what we're going after. May God get all the glory as we dive deep into this book. And all of God's people said, all right. That said, on the next page, you can see a list of prayer requests. Obviously, this is not exhaustive. This is a few thoughts. You can read through these, but uh, really my request would be bathe this all in prayer as you go. Make sure you're getting after it with your God, right? Look at some of these here. Like, Lord Jesus, may your name be made famous. 
Lord God, may you get all the glory. May the greatness of God show in this room, in my heart, in this world. May we worship you. These are some power statements. Lord, may we be unified as a body. Just walking through those, right? Having a powerful time of prayer with your God as you're getting worship on fire for him. Here's my request. May your worship get more hot. May you be excited about all that God is. May he get all the glory, okay? And all of God's people said, all right. So here's the deal. Let's turn the page one more. You'll see a lot of detail there. We're not gonna go through this today. I'm actually gonna go through this uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll go through it in pieces. But I wanna just get one piece out to be clear for you, all right? Have you ever noticed, we put it at the top here. Have you noticed uh, that there are a lot of different interpretations of the book of Revelation? Have you noticed that? And uh, there's a lot of different thoughts on it. And I'm just going to tell you, the reason that is, is because there's a lot of different approaches to the scripture. And so we're going to take one specific approach. We're going to take a very plain sense read of the scripture. We're going to take a, what it says is what it means. And we're going to walk through it that way. The same way that we would walk through like a letter, for example. This is a letter. Did you know that? We're going to see it today. It actually comes up. It says, John to the seven churches in Asia Minor. It's a letter to people. And there's real thought and there's real people and there's real things going on and real challenges. It is a letter. And we're going to read it just like when it says Paul, an apostle, when he's writing to, say, the Ephesians or Colossians or just like we'd read those letters. And what it says is what it means. And we take it that way. We're going to do the same thing. But more than that, it's also prophecy. And we're going to find that in today's passage as well, that word prophecy. And it's talking about the things that are to come. And we're going to read that the same way we would read prophecy, like Old Testament prophecy. When we go back and we read Isaiah and it said there's a virgin who is going to have a child, we look for and expect a virgin who's going to have a child, and that's Mary who had Jesus. And it's fulfilled literally and physically. We are reading that way. And we're going to walk through Revelation looking for that style of uh, really a fulfillment of the book. May God truly be allowed to say what he wants to say. And we're going to listen and hear it as he says it, plain sense read. So we're really not reading this book any differently than we would any other that we would look at. I'll just say this. There are moments where there are symbols or things like that that come up. You're going to find most of the time he's like, here's a symbol. Or here's a great sign, and he'll walk it through a little bit, and we'll walk through some of those pieces. But largely just plain sense read, what it says is what it is. You're going to be amazed at how simple that makes it go, okay? And all of God's people said. All right, enough said on that for now. Let's dive in. Let's go ahead and jump to Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 1, all right? Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Uh, the title of this sermon is For Worship, Not For Worry. For worship, may our fired up passion for Jesus Christ be the number one thing, all right? So that said, point number one, let's claim the blessing that God so clearly promises. Let's claim the blessing that God so clearly promises. Claim is the fill in there. Let's read it through, starting in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all he saw. 
Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. Okay, let's hold right there. He starts out, he says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation. That word revelation means the unveiling. The, the, the showing of things that were before hidden. The making known of things that God the Father knew, but others are now being allowed to know. The unveiling, the revelation. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So just so we're super clear, this is about Jesus when it says of Jesus. And we know that as you read the rest of the book of Revelation, you see these massive statements of Jesus Christ. We're going to see it in the passage today. Thunder statements about Jesus Christ, but him also as Lamb of God, the only one who's worthy, the one who is coming again, Jesus Christ. It is all about him. Ultimately, it's about Jesus So when it says revelation of, it does mean revelation about, but it's more than that. It also means the unveiling owned by Jesus Christ. Uh, This is a possession statement too of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Well, it says right after it, which God gave him, God the Father giving to God the Son the unveiling of a little bit of the details of the plan and Jesus is sharing that out. In fact, some of the details that you see uh, in here, you also see as Jesus was talking to the disciples, like in the book of Matthew, you see some of the overlap of some of the expectation of things coming. And so the revelation of Jesus, this unveiling of Jesus, this owned by Jesus, given by God the Father, it says, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. His servants, These are the followers of Jesus. These are the ones who believe that Jesus is risen and the ones who confess him as Lord. They're saved. The followers, his servants. Bluntly, this is you and me, right? Everybody say you and me. And if you've trusted Christ, if you're a follower of him, then you're his servant. This is for you to show his servants the things that must soon take place. The things, the details, the what's coming as Christ is coming back, what's going to be happening around it? What's coming at his second coming? The details in some of that and knowing pieces of that to be able to understand and uh, grasp where God is going with it, right? It says the things that must soon take place. Now, just so we're clear, some read that word soon and they go, see, so, so that means it must have taken place back at the time of John. I mean, soon you know, like right around his time frame. And I understand why they might say that in our language or culture, but we have to understand that this is also a book of prophecy. In fact, we're going to see it come up in the next sentence or two. And he talks about prophecy. This word soon from a prophetic viewpoint is speaking all differently. It's speaking to God's view of time frame and how long and in what way, right? It's a big deal when we start talking about soon with regard to prophecy. In fact, like Joel chapter 1 verse 15 says, Joel 1:15 says, the day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is talking about that end moment when Christ returns and puts everything right where he basically puts an end to sin and Christ stepping forward. The day of the Lord This is thousands of years back, and Joel was said as near. It's coming soon. Like, this is a prophetic viewpoint in the vastness of God where he looks at all of eternity. A few thousand years is nothing compared to billions and billions and billions of years. And in the perspective of God, it's soon. 
It's coming now. It's coming near. In fact, Joel 2.1 says that the day of the Lord is coming. Obadiah 15.15 says the day of the Lord is near. Zephaniah 1.7 says the day of the Lord is near. These were all thousands of years back, still not fulfilled, near, soon. It's not a statement that means in the immediacy as much as it means in God's time frame, it's moving along and it is going to happen quickly in the perspective of eternity quickly. May God get all the glory, okay? Huge deal that we grasp that. As he says now, from a prophetic viewpoint, these things must soon take place. He says, uh, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So Jesus makes this known by sending an angel, right? The word angel means messenger, and this messenger had a message to send. Here's a little bit of the unveiling of Jesus, the unveiling about Jesus, the unveiling that Jesus owns. Jesus wanted you specifically to be aware of this, the angel bringing this reveal, this divine message from him. And it's super important that we grasp just a little bit of who John is. Like we are talking the apostle John here. The other 11 apostles have probably passed away at this point. Most believe gone. He is the only one remaining. John has actually been put on an island in a prison. He is on the island of Patmos. We're going to see that next week. John has actually been put in prison because he's standing for Jesus. There's the other 11 are gone. They've been martyred. He alone is there on this island by himself. And in fact, it's just been a few decades since the time of the church began. And as you look at the churches, uh, you're not going to believe this. I saw these numbers, you know, population-wise, it wasn't very big then. Like if you look at the total population globe-wide at the time of John, you're probably talking around something like maybe 150 million people globally. But then when they took a number, a population of what they thought maybe the number of believers are, the number of Christians at that time, it is an unbelievably small number. Like some would even say as small as 10,000, but most would agree probably around 50,000 at most, at most. Like let that settle. Dude, we have 3,000 people at this church alone. Like it has lit up over the centuries, but at the time of John, things were still coming along. The church was still just being planted. Some churches were wobbling. The other 11 apostles are gone, martyred. He's alone on a prison island by himself. And so Jesus says, send him what's going to come down. You let him know how this world is going to be rocked with my glory. You let him know I've got this in hand. You let John know all the little details. The church is going to light up on fire. The size is going to be amazing. I've got it in hand. Dude, this is such a warming, encouraging wake-up call for John as this angel brings a message of, hang on, Jesus has it. He's got it. John's sitting on this island of Patmos. Would love to have some of those messages, right? It says, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all he saw. John's like, yeah, I was in exile on an island. I was put there uh, because I believed in God's word and I wouldn't back off. I was put there because I took testimony in Jesus Christ. I said words like, I walked with that Jesus. I talked with that Jesus and I will not back down. He is alive. He is risen. He is almighty. He does bring miracle. John's like, 
And so they said, put that guy on a prison island. Get him out of here. He took a stand and he was paying the price because he loved Jesus and he would not back down. Man, just know this, a bit sobering. Who knows where this world is going next? May we be ready to take a stand for God's word and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Ready? And all of God's people said, this is the wake-up call moment that John was given. And he ends up saying, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear. Blessed. Like there's a promise of hope. There's a promise of joy. There's a promise of some encouragement. If you hear this word, if you read this word, if you go after it, very specifically, the book of Revelation. Promise attached to the book of Revelation and appreciating God's word in it as we hear and we respond. In fact, just so you know, there are seven blessings in the book of Revelation. Not a surprise because when God works, he uses the number seven. And so God putting seven different blessings into the book of Revelation. Let's just go through those real quickly. You can fill in the blank in your book there. Blessed is the one who, ready? First one. Blessed is the one who hears and takes to heart. Who hears and takes to heart. That's Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who hears the words of this revelation, this unveiling, and trusts in and lives according to. There's a promise of blessing. Number two, for standing for Jesus, stands for Jesus no matter what. Blessed is the one who stands for Jesus no matter what. Like being able to take the stand, testimony of Jesus, I will not move, I stand on this. He is the God of the universe, I love him, and I absolutely worship him. Standing for Jesus no matter the pressure, right? He hears, he stands, here's the third one, he stays awake in worshipful expectation. Blessed is the one who stays awake in worshipful expectation. This comes out of uh, Revelation chapter 16. Staying awake, being alert, understand some of the things that are coming, grasp what God is doing, being able to have your worship be alert. Please hear me. Apathy is dangerous. Don't get comfortable with settling in. Don't get disappointed with this world and start to whine. Being able to stay awake and alert in your worship of Jesus Christ, may he get all the glory. Promise a blessing in it. He says, not just stays awake, but celebrates Celebrates as the bride at the marriage feast. And this is in Revelation 19. Celebrates as the bride. Just so you know, the church will be treated as the bride of Christ. Christ Jesus being the groom. And it's going to be like a marriage. There's going to be a oneness that gets brought together as we get to celebrate with them. And then ultimately on the backside of it, a massive feast, a huge celebration. He's like, blessed is the one who's saved and gets to enjoy that. That's what he's saying. Blessed is the one who celebrates being a part of that marriage feast. Number five, blessed is the one who takes part in the glorious first resurrection. Who takes part in the glorious first resurrection. Revelation 20 talks about this resurrection that occurs. I mean, here's the deal, man. These bodies are broken down. And when we pass away, these bodies stay here. They brought away, but our soul goes home to paradise, home to glory. There is a perfecting of the soul in the immediate, but there's a time in the future that will come when those broken down bodies get glorified, raised up, and brought back together, your glorified body and your glorified soul, put together for eternity. That is a hope. I gotta be honest, man. 
We don't really know what glorified body means, but somehow this broken down thing is going to be different and God gets all the glory and all of God's people said, and man, I'm just telling you a huge deal along the way. We get to take part in that resurrection, our bodies resurrected to become new, perfect and glorious. And then it says, number six, keeps the word of the prophecy of this book, keeps the word of the prophecy of this book from Revelation 22. And just so we're super clear, this is also why we're taking a very plain sense read approach to this scripture. Because when you start to twist and shape and change and make everything just be a symbol or a metaphor, you can walk past what it's actually saying and you miss on keeping the words of it. What it says is how we're gonna walk it through and we're gonna take it as such. May God get all the praise, all right? And then the last one, number seven, is washes his robes saved by faith in Jesus. Washes his robes saved by faith in Jesus. You could even write at the end of that one, no duh. Right? Like, blessed is the one who's saved. Blessed is the one who has their sin removed, who forever is with Christ. May God get all the glory. Blessed are the saved. And man, from beginning to end, here's seven promises in the book of Revelation that if we pour into the book, if we allow the book to wash over, if we let God have his way, if our worship starts lighting up, you blessed. That's the promise. There's no other book in the Bible that says that. You blessed as you pour through this book. So let's take time to let God's word rock us, bless us along the way. That said, uh, yesterday we had a, a big celebration. I can't believe I'm saying these words, but my grandson Everett uh, turned two today. So today is his two-year birthday. Can you believe that? He's already two years old. Time is flying. So we had his two-year birthday party at our house yesterday, and we had some family over for that and just being able to celebrate and laugh together and watch him just run around all over the place and have a blast. He loves playing with balls, and he loves throwing discs and just kind of going after all these things. So it was a blast to be able to play with him and watch him and enjoy. And, and so we ended up getting a bunch of gifts. I'm not going to lie. The gifts were stacked up a little higher than he was tall. You know what I'm saying? Like there were a lot of gifts for him and he was enjoying just opening them up and every gift he opened up as he tore the paper off, he was like, whoa, and just got this facial expression like, this is amazing. You knew he didn't know what it was at all. But he's looking, he's like, wow, look at all the colors, look at the stuff, whoa. Just constantly, thing after thing after thing, he was in awe. I think the thing he loved most was the lawnmower that he got that somebody gave him, I'm not even sure who, and as they rolled it around, it kind of made these clicking sounds and he could be like his dad, you know? And so he loved being able to play a little with it. Or maybe this is like us, actually. When we get a birthday gift or, or even maybe a Christmas thing where you go and you kind of reach into the stocking and you pull out a gift card, you know, and you got a gift card to a special place, maybe it's to like Chick-fil-A or Portillo's, like one of your favorite restaurants or something, or maybe it's actually to like kind of a higher end thing, like it's to Texas Roadhouse or it's to like maybe Alexander's or Johnny's or something, you got this kind of high end gift card. So you take this gift card and you're like, this is awesome. And then you go over and you put it in the desk drawer and you close it and you forget you ever had it and you never actually get the blessing of it. Like, thanks for the blessing promise in the desk, right? Let's not do that with the book of Revelation. Man, let's make sure that we know God has given us an amazing gift card with a promised blessing. Let's pull it out of the desk. Let's go after celebrating him with all we've got. May God get all the glory. Don't miss the blessing. 
Have your worship ignited. May Jesus Christ be center stage in your life. And all of God's people said, amen, Amen, man. Let's go after it. Point number two. Let's go to point number two. So let's fan the flame of our worship of the coming glorious king. Let's fan the flame of our worship of the coming glorious king. Fan the flame. Let's go after it. May Christ truly get all the praise. It says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia Minor. So John, here's the author of this book. John, this is the same John that you would know of the 12 apostles. This is the one who wrote the book of John. This is the one who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This is the one who was called beloved of Jesus. This is that John, the guy who knew Jesus that well. This John, probably the one, like I said, the last of the apostles still living at this time, And he is alone on an island because he took the stand for Jesus. He's heard wobble of things, and he's actually now writing out to the churches that are in Asia Minor. There are seven churches because God is making his statement about how he's influencing. But these are real churches really existing at the time of John. They were right there just off the island of Patmos right next to him. They were in Asia Minor. And for many of you who aren't that great with geography, you're like, that doesn't help me at all, right? And, and I'll just say, so think of it maybe more like kind of right around the Turkey area, or right around that Mediterranean on that side, and some of you are like, that doesn't help me either. And like, that's great, I get it. Let's just throw a map up. You do have it in your book there, and uh, we'll just talk for a second on it. You can see the circle in the middle of the water, right? And that's the island of Patmos. This was this little Mediterranean island there that was kind of in the water there just a little bit off of And just a few miles back to the land, you can see the seven churches that were right there. So when he's writing to these churches, he's writing to the churches that are right near him. Churches that may have written some encouragement to him. Churches that may have brought some thought to him as they could get word. And him being able to now just send a letter back out every once in a great while could send to them. And all of a sudden you get this little bit of communication and John's writing to these seven churches in Asia Minor, all right? And this is a huge deal. It's a sweet connect between John and some of the people as he was now calling them out. Some on encouragement of what was going on and some on things that would need to adjust, right? So the seven churches that are in Asia Minor and he writes to them, grace to you and peace. This is just a really standard greeting. This is like, Hey, how's it going? This is like, hope things are going well with you. Praying God really blesses you. It's, it's just a basic welcome on that front. Grace and peace, like may the greatness of God pour over you. Love you guys. That's what he's saying, all right? And then he says, from the triune God. That's not actually the words he says. He actually defines each of the persons of the triune Godhead. But here we go. This is the three persons of the Godhead being called out. He says, from him who is and who was and who is to come. From him who is and who was and who is to come. From the eternal Father. From God the Father who exists from eternity past to eternity future. This is a message to you. Man, this is a sweet power message to the churches as he's saying, God the Father had some things to say to you. He's like, he was and he is and he is to come. Superpower statement about the existence of God through all of eternity. God says, I am. 
That's who we're talking about. By the way, for those of you who know the book of Revelation a little bit, the beast that's talked about later, kind of a uh, evil guy that comes on the scene and a little bit of the end time stuff before Christ comes, well, he was called the one who was and is not and is to come. He's like, yeah, he's trying to look like me, not even close. Like it doesn't have it. There's some name similarity, but not. There is no eternal nature to that one and eternal nature to God the Father alone, right? And then it says, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. The seven spirits, and most believe this is the Holy Spirit, partly because the next one says, and from Jesus Christ. So you have God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son all saying together, here's a message to bring to the churches. Here's the encouragement to bring to them. And he ends up saying, and from the seven spirits, right? This is that understanding of perfection and holiness and the greatness of the Holy Spirit. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then it says, and for Jesus, the firstborn of the dead. The firstborn of the dead. This is talking about right and privilege. In the Jewish culture, the one who was firstborn had rights, had inheritance. More than any of the other kids, they had right and inheritance. And so Jesus, the firstborn of the dead, he had privilege, he had position. All creation is his. Everything is his. He is the firstborn, Jesus Christ. And we are the privileged siblings that get to come along. May God get all the glory. The firstborn of the dead. It says, and the ruler of the kings on earth. And the ruler of the kings on earth. Jesus Christ is over all kings of all time. He's over it all. And man, as this world is going crazy, just know Jesus Christ is over it all. Christ over all. Everybody just say Christ over all. Yeah, let's say it louder. Let's say it bigger. Christ over all. Don't miss that. Christ is over every king and every leader and every time and every place. Christ is over all. And he ultimately will be coming back. And when he returns, he will establish as king of kings forever. Sin done, dominance on, perfection in place. Jesus Christ gets all the glory. He is over all. And man, it gets too easy as we look at this broken world to be like, Jesus, I don't think I'd lead the way you were leading right now. I think I'd shut it down right now. And he's like, hang on. I've got a plan and there's some things I'm gonna be doing. Hang with me. Jesus Christ, he is over it all. Let's worship him with all we've got. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, it says to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Jesus Christ. He died for us and he rose again for us. He has freed us. Jesus loves you with all he's got. He loves you. He's pouring into your life. He has died for you. He has risen for you. Do you know him as Savior? He is the amazing King who has died and risen. His blood saves us. It says, and he has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. He has made you and me a kingdom, priests. Now you remember from the book of Hebrews, priests are the ones that could enter into the temple, into the presence of the holiness and glory of God. Not everybody else, just the priests. When it comes to believing in Jesus Christ, he says, all who are saved, you are called priests. 
You have the privilege of entering into the holiness of God Almighty. You represent the rest of humanity as you bring the truth of Christ out to this dying world. You get to be a priest in the presence of his glory and stepping out into this world to say, I know that king and I represent him with all I've got. We are called to a privilege. May we not miss it ever. It says he's made us a king and a kingdom and priests. It says to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is all about his glory, the glory of Jesus Christ. May it never be about man's glory. The church is not about man. The church is about Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. I love this close. This is a power close to this passage. He starts out and he says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, dude, check this out. He says, behold. Can you imagine this is John starting to pen all of Revelation. He's been a little bit downtrodden. He's really disappointed. He has the angels sharing out some of what's going on. And he's like, check this out. Behold, he says, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. This is John declaring out, Jesus Christ is coming again. He will be coming with the clouds. He'll be coming with judgment. He'll be coming with authority, but he is coming and every eye will see him. Everyone, the whole world will see him. All of the skies will light up in some way, obvious that Jesus is entering this world. Man, I'm telling you, he is coming again. This is a tie together of Daniel, where it talks about the son of man coming on the clouds and this massive statement of the greatness of this king who will rule forever. John's like, that guy, he's coming. Hang on. He's coming, and when he comes, the world will see him. There are those who actually have said when they read Revelation, I think that Jesus Christ returned in AD 70. I think it's all done, all spiritualized. And I just want you to hear me. That could not be more wrong. This says that when he comes, every eye will see. We do not have the coming of Christ yet physically. He is coming in the future. Our eyes will see, our jaws will drop. And quite frankly, if we're already at home in heaven with him, those who are on this earth will see it. But us as believers in heaven with him, we'll be roaring down with him next to him. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is coming again. And he has it in hand. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen, man. That's our hope. It says, Yeah, he's coming, and even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Yes, sin will be dealt with. And yes, there will be a very serious accounting to Jesus for those who choose to not walk with Christ. It says, yes, there will be a wailing, but it says, even so, amen. I'm just telling you the best words you could grasp in all of the book of Revelation. They come out of Revelation 12. It says, woe to the earth, rejoice, O heavens. Here's the celebrate. Jesus will get all of his glory. Here's the celebrate. Nothing steals his glory. He's in charge. Holiness, righteousness, love poured out. May Christ get all he is due. And any standing in the way of that, dude, woe to you. That's the book of Revelation. Woe to those standing in the gap. Jesus will get what's rightly his. We praise him with all we've got. Righteous, holy, and glory. And I love this. It then ends with Jesus saying, 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the start. I am the end. I spoke it into existence. I will speak rebellion into an end, and I will speak into existence new heaven and new earth. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Worship Jesus Christ, the one who sits over it all, the one who has it all in hand. God has a plan. And he is working this to bear, and it is coming to fruition. Jesus is coming again. And all of God's people said, and that's our hope. And we dig deep on this worship. May Jesus get all my praise. He's in charge. Let's pray.